Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There is no better group of plants for flower power than forms of the shrubby Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. I hope you had a very enjoyable Christmas and you're looking ahead to the new year and raring to go. Today, I'll be speaking to the president of the Horticultural Trades Association and the owner of Taylor's Bulbs, fourth-generation flower bulb business. It's Adam Taylor. Thanks again to our sponsor, Sutton Seeds, and, of course, to my producer, Charlie Jones. Some of the news uh, this week is a bit depressing. Apparently uh, there's a disease called Rose Rosette Virus. And this virus is uh, transmitted by a tiny four-legged mite. And the mite can be uh, blown about in the wind. It can uh, travel from country to country on rose bushes or cut roses. Uh, And we can even bring it in on our clothes. I mean, in uh, America and Canada, there are rose gardens, quite important rose gardens, that have had to be grassed over because of uh, the introduction of this virus. It attacks the young growth and makes it all distorted. Uh, I hope to have a picture of it in the paper on Saturday. It's uh, actually spread now. They've had examples of it found in India. And, of course, the cut flower rose business is now international. Enormous quantities are shipped from Colombia, Kenya, Israel and India. And the transmission of of these uh, dangerous mites and and the disease they carry is really, uh, really worrying. Up in Newcastle University, they're having a look at it and seeing what they can do to control the mite and to prevent the spread. We just need to be careful when we're travelling, to be sure not to bring back plant material that has any risk of disease. Now, when it comes to the garden, between Christmas and the New Year, there are a few days to catch up. I've just uh, really sorted out my large compost bin. I've got several of them, one, two, three, four, five, yes, six compost bins, but one's a really big one, uh, and uh, I got that emptied, and the compost that's very well rotted in the bottom has all been heaped on the veg garden, ready to dig in. I always have a biggish heap of prunings. I don't know, my garden's not that big, but uh, the hedge prunings, the rose prunings, odd lumps coming off shrubs and stems of raspberry, all that kind of thing builds up. And, And if the weather is bright and it's all nice and dry... I need to get the incinerator going to just burn that as cleanly and as quickly as possible. It does deliver quite a bit of uh, wood ash. And of course at this time of the year, if you've got dry wood ash from uh, a bonfire or a wood-burning stove, it's worth storing it. 
if you put it on the ground now, the potash is really very soluble and just washes out in the uh, drainage water. So just keep it dry and then apply it to anything that needs potash, things like roses and all of the edible apples and pears, and of course tomatoes, potatoes, they all like a bit of extra potash. If you've got a cold greenhouse or a polytunnel, whenever you can, just open the doors or the vents. And certainly, whenever it's bright and sunny, try and get some air through uh, any of those enclosed spaces. It just dries the surface of the leaves and presents those botrytis and soft rots that are so common in damp, cold greenhouses at this time of year. And in the paper this coming Saturday, we've got an offer on uh, a frost protection fleece. I use fleeces uh, increasingly. If you cover the ground after you've sown all of those early spring veg, it's surprising how a bit of fleece raises the temperature several degrees, improves the germination and speeds the establishments of plants. Of course, it has a second benefit. If you've sown things like carrots, then it will protect from carrot fly and all the other pests that are on the wing. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. My guest this week is Adam Taylor, who is the fourth generation of, I think, uh, our best uh, UK bulb producer up in uh, Spalding. Uh, A great history, company celebrating its centenary shortly. Adam, how are things up in Lincolnshire today? It was pretty cold with us down here on Saturday, but a bit better here today. It was pretty fresh up here as well, Peter. Uh, there was a bit of a frost on the ground on uh, on Sunday morning, that's for sure. But beautiful blue skies and sunshine today. So it makes uh, everyone have that feel-good factor. Yes, wonderful. Now, can you sort of set the scene for us a bit? I mean, would it be fair to describe you as farmers or bulb growers? Or what would be the description? And how big is the operation up there? Uh, well, we are farmers. Uh, we um, We farm... Uh, cereals, uh, so wheat, and we also farm uh, potatoes, uh, sugar beet, and uh, cauliflowers. Um, but our specialist crop that we rotate everything around is daffodils. So we are a, uh, a bulb farmer. Um, as well as the bulbs, of course, we also get uh, the flowers. And, uh, and then we have a, a sister trading uh, business, uh, which is known as Taylor's Bulbs, and we supply retailers uh, all over the UK and Ireland. 
and uh, we supply uh, pre-packed bulbs into garden retailers as well as gift kits as well. Usually if I see big racks of uh, pre-packed bulbs in the autumn well, and the spring, if I look on the back I can see tailors, can't I? The names, you know, the brand isn't promoted very highly but you can see it on the packs. Yes, it's uh, most most in uh, particularly garden retailers, uh, garden centres that uh, we've always concentrated on, uh, and we uh, we do deal with uh, a number of high street retailers as well, yeah. uh, where of course their brand is more important than ours. Um, <laughs> but uh, sometimes we're the company behind it. Um, but uh, Taylor's is a, a brand name that uh, we are particularly proud about. But it's it's not necessarily the reason that somebody would would pick up the bulbs necessarily in the first place. So we have to recognise that the picture comes first and the reputation comes after that. Yeah, we need to know what we're buying. Now, uh, in conversation very briefly with your father, John, uh, uh, he gave me to understand that uh, last summer was the worst harvest he remembers for Narcissus bulbs. Yes, certainly was. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Worst on record, unfortunately, since we started taking uh, and keeping records. It was pretty horrific. And the problem there would be the late, wet, cold spring and then a sudden switch to high temperatures, presumably. That's right. And and the daffodils are two years in the ground. So it was actually also the impact of the previous spring, where spring came very early and was very warm and dry, which was fantastic gardening weather, but uh, not very good for daffodil growing. Uh, we want uh, some long days with uh, with plenty of uh, sunshine, but we don't want hot temperatures and we definitely need uh, moisture. So up here in South Lincolnshire, uh, we don't irrigate our crops unless you build yourself uh, a reservoir. And that can, uh, it requires a pretty significant investment in itself. So we rely on Mother Nature to provide everything. And unfortunately, we were hit with two bad spring uh, growing seasons in a row. Uh, and that just worked against us. And so what happens now? I mean, if we have a reasonable spring and and, um, more moderate early summer, can the crops catch up? I mean, we hope so. (laughs) We hope so. Records tell us that that should occur. So if if in the first year uh, we didn't get the growth and the splitting, uh, then hopefully we'll see that in the second it may well be that uh, the bulbs either grow into single, very large bulbs, or they'll split. But then when they split, they'll be into uh, smaller uh, bulbs. But uh, we'll, we just can't tell. The thing with um, any bulb growing is that the bulb will do all of its growth after it's flowered. And so therefore, it will be way after flowering into uh, late April and into May and June before we can really start to see what the crop is doing under the ground. That's when the leaves are doing, doing their bit. Goodness, that's, that's quite a gamble, isn't it? You, know? <laughs> you have to just you have to just leave it up to, uh, as I say, up to Mother Nature to to dictate to us what we're going to get. But you're right; you you can predict based on averages. You can predict based on uh, on the past, but uh, but there is a a good degree of gamble on it. I mean, the crop that you lift next summer, if we get a reasonable spring, that will have had one good year, but then presumably. In 2020, um, it'll be the crop that you planted this year, won't it? Yeah, so the bulbs uh, that we'll lift in 2020 would have been planted in this uh, this September. 
So um, the, uh, there's a long way to go yet. Uh, their first year of growth will occur uh, in this coming spring of 2019. And then their second year of growth will, uh, will then be in the spring of 2020 before harvesting in the summer of 2020. And if we have an uh, average sort of season, or two average seasons, I should say, do you think you'd be back to normal harvests then for 2020? I would have thought so, yes. I mean, we, we protected our growing stock. We had to do that for the future of our business. And the temptation was to, uh, to make sure that we supplied everything that we had sold. But we, we, if we would have done that, we would have no future to the business. So you, you can't do that. You can't turn a machine on and just make a few more. So we had to protect our growing stocks. And so in which case then, uh, if the growing years are successful, then there'll be every reason why the, uh, the yields will be absolutely normal and everything will correct itself in time. Uh, that's not the case for every bulb grower out there. Some people uh, took the opportunity to sell more than maybe they should have done, or indeed they capitalized on the high market at that time. And and took a different view. Uh, but for us, uh, we were all about uh, the future. Uh, being fourth generation family business, we wanted to make sure that we, we were here in uh, the years to come and still doing the same thing. Yeah. But now, as well as the narcissus and the spring flowering bulbs, you're also into the summer flowering bulbs, aren't you? So what's the situation with things like dahlia and gladiolus um, and all of those colour lilies, all the colourful prepacks that will be arriving at the retailers in a month or so? Yes, so be, they're on their way. Uh, things are coming through the sheds at the moment, and the harvest is nearly complete uh, with uh, a lot of the summer flowering bulbs. The general consensus is that um, the, uh, the dahlia harvest has not been particularly special, uh, a bit like uh, potato growing. Any tuberous plant with a lack of moisture struggled, and so even if the tops looked quite good and the plants looked quite good in the garden, the tuber didn't really grow under the ground. So uh, dahlias are, uh, are not enjoying the best of harvests. But uh, surprisingly, uh, bulbs such as gladiolus have actually thrived uh, in the, uh, the hot conditions. And, uh, and where they've been able to have the necessary inputs given to them, uh, they've, uh, they've done very well. So it will be uh, nothing significantly different. It's not a season of plenty. Uh, but by the time the bulbs are in the uh, garden centres, there won't realistically be much uh, much difference. So that's reasonable news, yeah. Absolutely. We've always got to be optimistic. <laughs> in this business, without question, yes. <laughs> yeah, every day, perhaps the weather will be better tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I always think that. This coming year, 2019, is a very special one, isn't it, for O&A Taylor? I mean, you were formed in 1919. So what are you doing for the centenary? Yeah, we are going to have a, a special day uh, on the 10th of April, uh, which I'm uh, excited to tell you about. So we're going to have a, a daffodil day uh, that uh, we are organising in conjunction with the RHS. Uh, and uh, we're going to be hosting that here uh, at Taylor's Bulbs near Spalding, um, where anybody can attend. Uh, there will be a, a small charge for a ticket um, with some special guest speakers and an opportunity to see what it is that we do here, uh, have a good look around our, uh, our trial plot and one of our fields, uh, which has over 400 varieties in this one field. Uh, so there'll be plenty to see. Um, but uh, yeah, 10th of April, uh, our uh, Daffodil Day will be our headline centenary uh, event. So we're looking forward to it. And, and so I hope you'll attend. Um, I would certainly 
be pleased to attend and would like to attend. And when you talk about 400 varieties, I mean, is that the Johnny Walker activity part of that? I mean, if we come and see something exciting or a colour that attracts our eye in the 400, would we be able to order them? Oh, yes, yeah, the uh, the field in question uh, happens to have uh, the Walker's Bulbs collection uh, planted in it. And uh, and so, yes, there'll be uh, plenty of opportunity to browse uh, such a, a vast spread of, uh, of narcissus that we hope will be in flower on that day and uh, and be able to uh, to order them if, uh, if you fancy them. Um, but um, there's plenty more to see uh, in terms of our um, main crop production as well. So there's uh, some of the more standard varieties still to be able to wonder at when they're planted en masse and you see the great big landscape of daffodil flowers here in the fens. It's uh, quite a sight to behold. I'm sure it is. And you've got your magic wand pointing at the 10th of April, have you? I mean, it, what happens yeah. if we have a very early season or a very late season? Will there still be things to see? Well, we've n- we've not picked the tenth just by mistake. We've picked it because we feel it's the best judgment. <laughs> so we we've got daffs that are in flower all the way from January all the way through to May, um, and so uh, so the tenth April is a date where we feel we're going to have a good selection, uh, and uh, there's uh, there's every hope that there'll be plenty to see on that day. There'll certainly be something. Yeah, I'm sure uh, there will. It yeah. should just be the uh, should just be right at the peak if uh, if everything falls into place. So yeah. yes, that's uh, that's not been just uh, uh, picked uh, out of out of error. That day is picked on purpose um, as the one where we hope we'll have the most to see. Now, Adam, you have other responsibilities as well as your duties with the family business. Uh, you're currently president of the Horticultural Trades Association. <laughs> that's right. Yes, yes. I was uh, kindly asked to uh, to join the board. The, the Horticultural Trades Association and, uh, and then to become uh, president as well, uh, which I'll continue until September of 2019. I mean, and gardeners will be aware of the HTA through the gift token scheme, won't they? That's where the association meets the public. It is, yeah. So it, it's, a, it's a trade association for its members. Uh, it represents uh, the horticultural trade with uh, key stakeholders, uh, such as uh, government decision makers, uh, but uh, yes, we administer the National Garden gift voucher um, and card schemes uh, and have done so uh, since the uh, 1960s. So yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a very robust gifting scheme, uh, which is found in, in garden retailers all over the country. Um, and Christmas, of course, is a, a peak, uh, peak period of activity for the gifting scheme. Major time. Um, but it's very important for our members. And on the government lobbying, I mean, do you twist your father's arm on occasion? So, I mean, because he's um, quite a big noise in the House of Lords, isn't he? <laughs> he, he is, but I don't. Uh, we never have done. Uh, I, I'm one of two uh, sons. My eldest brother um, and took on my father's uh, political interest and I took on the, uh, the bulk-growing farming and uh, trading business interest. And uh, and so uh, we don't talk politics that much, funnily enough, and people might find that uh, uh, quite hard to believe. But I wouldn't em- embarrass him to ask him to uh, to give me information that I'm not allowed to have. It's uh, it's not appropriate, and it's not the way that we work. But of course, um, he has a lot of experience of uh, of the bulk trade. He knows what it, things were like um, when um, before we. We joined the EU, so um, he knows uh, what life was like then, and so therefore he's been a great help to 
help us prepare for potentially the life outside of the EU coming up in 2019. Yeah. Um, well, we think it is. <laughs> well, Adam, uh, I'm afraid I'm of an age which remembers quotas. Uh, <laughs> we could, you know, when we came out after the Second World War, when uh, the pound was really on the floor, you could only buy a set quantity of bulbs uh, as a percentage of what you bought in 1939. And yeah. I remember the Dutch salesman coming over, you know, and it was a, a major point of negotiation whether yeah, you had, yeah. in, had enough quota to, to buy. Yeah, yeah. well, the, and that, the, going back to the, the garden gift scheme, that's when that started. It was, uh, it was a way of trying to get people to, to get back into garden spending rather than using their outdoor areas for food production, of course. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it, it, all, it all links together with, uh, with that uh, uh, the quota basis that you're talking about as well. Yeah. But then you have yet another responsibility with the Springfield Horticultural Society. I know, they keep racking up, <laughs> don't they? I, I try to keep myself entertained. Um, no, this, the Springfield Horticultural Society is a pleasure to be involved in um, because my father and my grandfather were both involved and various other members of our family have also been involved as well. In the past, the Spalding Flower Parade in spring was a major tourist thing. Uh, uh, that's a thing of the past now, isn't it? What do you do now as the Springfield Horticultural Society? Yeah, sadly, the flower parade no longer runs in Spalding, and, and it was uh, dropping attendances and increasing costs um, meant that it was just no longer viable. Uh, the Horticultural Society also uh, ran a, a garden, a sort of a miniature Kirkenhof uh, of uh, Boldfield, 20 acres of bald fields at Spalding, uh, and it was uh, phenomenal in its time. I remember as a child walking around with thousands of people looking at all the beautiful flowers there. But again, attendance dropped, costs in increased, and uh, and so the society had to uh, take a look at what it uh, it does. So now the land is uh, in partnership with a, a retail development uh, company, and so uh, since uh, 2004 has been a a retail development on the same site at um, at Spalding. It's called Springfields. And then uh, alongside that um, are the gardens. That was part of the planning stipulation. It was part of what the Horticultural Society insisted upon, was that uh, the gardens were able to be maintained as a result of uh, contribution from the, from the retail park. Uh, so we administer uh, both the gardens, which are free for everybody to walk around and browse all year round whenever they happen to be uh, shopping at Springfields. And also we run uh, an exhibition uh, business uh, as well as part of our uh, charitable concern. So um, what we're aiming to achieve is we're aiming to keep uh, promoting uh, horticulture uh, in the Spalding area, not just uh, flower bowls as was. Uh, but uh, we've broadened that into horticulture, and that's the aim of the uh, of the charity. Thought for the day: a garden is a good friend, always welcoming and generous, in the response to the gift of time. Yes, yeah, you certainly can't uh, give them too much time. Gardens just sop it up, and boy, yes, if you give it time. You don't half get some joy and harvest. Thanks again to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this podcast. And thanks to you for listening. 
Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.